0: Well, good morning. I lost my voice. I'm very happy to be here with you this morning. It's a great privilege for me that I'm sharing the Word of God with you, and thank you for allowing me to share the Word of God. You know, my Bible is in Arabic, and if I read it for you, you won't understand anything. (laughs) So that's why I'll ask Brother Skip to read it for you, and then we can share the Word of God together.
1: Nehemiah chapter 8, if you have your Bible, now's a good time to turn to it. Nehemiah chapter 8 says, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women, and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood that they had made for the purpose and beside him at his right hand stood all these guys whose names I'm not going to pronounce. In verse 5, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all of the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. All the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, all these guys whose names I'm not going to read, they gave the, verse 8, they read the law distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. Amen. Thank you. Shall we bow in prayer?
0: Father, once again, we bow before you, asking you to take over this hour. We pray in Jesus' name that the spirit of the living Christ will be on us to bless and to teach. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. Before I start my message to you this morning, I have two things I want to say. First, it's not easy for any man to stand in the pulpit where Skip Isaac is a preacher. I tell you the truth, that I have gone all over the world preaching the gospel, and I wasn't afraid. But when I came to this church and I had skipped preaching, I'm afraid. You have a great man of God. So the Lord bless him. And secondly, I want you to know then whenever I stand before an American congregation, I feel I am in debt. I am in debt with all my life to the Americans, because I was saved through an American American missionary, and I was called to the ministry through an American evangelist, and the ministry in Lebanon has been sustained through an American friend. So thank you in the name of Jesus for sending missionaries all over the world, and especially to Lebanon. And thank you for spending your money for the furthering of the gospel of Christ. May the Lord bless you. We have started our ministry in Lebanon <clears throat> in 1975. And we were only three people. Now, by the grace of God, we have six churches. We have four in the Arabic language and one in Sri Lankan language and one in the Sudanese. We have about 60,000 Sri Lankan in Lebanon working. They cannot speak English very well to understand the gospel, and they cannot speak Arabic very well to understand the gospel. So I've sent to Sri Lanka and brought a man and his wife, and he is a pastor of that church. And we have already baptized about 47 uh, from a Buddhist background within four years. So praise God for his uh, glory. We have a Bible school that we are training people from the Arab world and we are sending them back to their own countries to preach the gospel of Christ. We know a day is coming when no foreign missionaries are, be, are allowed to go to the Arab world. Actually now, there is only in Jordan and in Lebanon that American or foreign missionaries are allowed to come. In Syria, nobody could come as a missionary. In Iraq, in Kuwait, in all the other places, no one is allowed to go as a missionary. So that's why we bring people from the Arab world, the remnant of believers. We train them in Beirut because in Lebanon, we are a free country that we can preach the gospel of Christ freely. No no place in the Middle East you can preach freely the gospel of Christ only in Lebanon. We have 17 of our graduates from our Bible school working in Jordan, in Syria, and in Iraq. And now we have 21 students, and they are from Egypt, Jordan, Iraq, Syria, Sudan, and Lebanon. So we ask you to pray for us that the Lord will continue to give us courage and boldness to preach the gospel in that area of the world. The subject of my message this morning is seven steps that lead us to revival. The portion we have just read, there is a revival in it, and a real revival. How did it happen? What are the steps that led to that revival? To be able to judge correctly We have to study the situation of the people before the revival. Nehemiah was a servant of the king of Persia. And one time a brother from Jerusalem came to him. And Nehemiah asked him, saying, How are the people that they have stayed in Jerusalem? Listen to the answer. The man answered, saying, The remnant that are left in Jerusalem are in a great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates are burned with fire. When Nehemiah heard this report, it is written, he sat down and cried before the Lord, and confessed before the Lord, and he fasted and prayed for days. He was so concerned about his people and their situation that he took time from his busy schedule to sit down and cry before the Lord and pray before the Lord and confess before the Lord his sins and the sins of his nation. If we ask about the situation of the church today, all over the world, in Europe, in the Middle East, in America, we will have the same report. The wall of the church is broken down and the gates of the church is burned with fire. That's why sin and worldliness have come into the church so easy. Is there a man among us or a woman like Nehemiah, who really care for the people of the church today, and he will take time of his busy schedule and sit before the Lord and cry and pray and confess and fast because of the situation of the church. Brothers and sisters, step number one for revival is prayer. We cannot have revival without prayer. We cannot. These days our prayer are really empty from feeling with people. They are dry from tears. We don't cry anymore. We don't care anymore. We hear about this person has fallen and that person has fallen. We hear about the church. They are fighting together. But we don't really care. Nehemiah cared for his people and he took time from his busy schedule as a servant of the king of Persia and he prayed and fasted and cried and confessed before the Lord. I pray you in Jesus' name that if you are really concerned about the situation of the church in the Middle East and in Europe, And in America, that you will take time from your busy schedule and you sit before the Lord in prayer and crying and fasting and confessing. And I am sure God will send revival. You know, there will be no revival without prayer. God has given us the greatest power on earth and its prayer. But we have lost that power. We have lost it. When we started our Quarantina Church, <clears throat> I am so sorry, I'm losing my voice. When we started our Quarantina Church, we have started it in an upper room. And we thought at that time that a person will be kneeling down and praying till the second coming of Christ. And we have gone like this for six months. Then the war started between the Christian militia and the Lebanese army. And we couldn't go down to the church. And that chain was broken. And then the war stopped. Now we don't have people enough to fill that program. To come at night time, all night praying and all day praying because everybody is busy and do you know since we stop praying we don't have we cannot see souls coming to christ as we did before if you want to save the people of america if you really want to save people from hellfire we have to take time to pray because when we pray god will send revival you know All the prophets of the Old Testament have prayed and they have got victory through prayer. Elijah prayed. Elijah is a man like us. And he prayed that it won't rain for three years and six months and it did not rain. Then he prayed asking for rain. It rained. Joshua prayed. One time he was in a battle and he did not finish that battle. And the sun was setting down And he prayed that the sun will stay. And God answered his prayer. And for God to answer the prayer of Elijah, of of Joshua, he had to change the solar system. Brothers and sisters, I pray you in Jesus' name that you take time to pray. If you are really concerned about the situation of the church in your country and the church in Europe, And the church in the Middle East and all over the world. We have to take time to pray. May the Holy Spirit speak to every one of us this morning and convincing us that we cannot have revival without prayer. And this is the need of the church. Wherever we go, if we ask a believer, individual or a church as a whole, what's the need today? Say, we need to be revived again. May the Holy Spirit revive us all again. May the Holy Spirit send revival to the church of America and especially to this church. So step number one for revival is prayer. Step number two is unity. And all the people gather themselves together as one man. All the people... They gathered themselves together as one man. You know, they had one goal. And that goal is to know the mind of God. That's why they asked Ezra and they said, bring us the book of the law. We want to know what God is saying. You know, our problems today that we don't want to know the mind of God. We are satisfied to know the mind of other people. We want to know the mind of this scholar what he is saying and this theologian what he is saying. So we don't really seek to know the mind of God. There is a blessing in the world today which have turned to a curse. And this blessing is that we have so many good spiritual books And instead of reading the Word of God, we are reading these about the Word of God. We are reading these books. Do you want revival? You have to go back to the Word of God. You have to know the mind of God. And we have to do what God is doing, and then we will have revival. So they were united. To know the mind of God. Without unity, we cannot have revival. When I heard Skip on Wednesday, and he was explaining to us the mind of God and how we should finish, and then he gave an altar call. Believe me, I wanted myself to come forward and give my life to the Lord because I knew the mind of God i wanted myself to come forward and give my mind to the lord give my heart to the lord again so i pray you in jesus name brothers and sisters just seek the mind of god and see what he wants from you and do it and then you will be revived not only they were united to know the mind of god but they were united to the place and to the hour you know the problem in our churches today that we fight each other for the least thing we are not united we are not united and the thing which stands in the way it's the personal interest we cannot have a revival without unity God will not answer our prayer without unity. Even in our own homes, between husband and wife, between children and parents, if we are not united, we can never have a revival. Never. Because when we fight, fighting and biggering stops God of hearing our prayers. You might ask me, how can we all be united Everyone has a different goal. Everyone has different character. How can we be united together? You know, the goal will will unite us. When we put one goal, we can be united. If we put the glory of Christ as our goal, and we all work toward the glory of our Christ, we will be united. I was born in a small village near Sidon. And you know, in every village there is fighting and bickering for politics or for uh, this boy wants to marry this girl and her parents didn't accept him and you know they fight each other. But one day I went to my village and I found the whole village are united. And I want to know what's the reason. They are all going in one direction. This man is carrying a shovel. This woman is carrying water. And the other man carrying a branch of a tree. And they are all running into one direction. What's happened? I discover that down in the valley there was a fire. And the fire is going to burn all their olive trees. And they were united to put off the fire. Their goal is to put off the fire. And that goal united them. If you in this church put the glory of Christ as your goal, and you want to spread the gospel of Christ all over the world, and you sit with your pastor and you unite with him, let us put a strategy and work toward it. This will unite you. When we get rid of our personal interest and our pride, we will be united to work for Christ. I pray in Jesus' name that this will be your situation, that you will be all united together as one man. Can you imagine ten, fifteen thousand 15,000 people united together, working for the same goal, the glory of Christ, and living the life which the Lord wants you to live? One time I was preaching in Sidon and I was talking about the Christian life. And after I finished the message, a lawyer came to me from a Muslim background and he said, you know, if you really, you Christian live the same way as you are talking, there will be no other religion in the Middle East. Can you imagine if you in this place live... In unity and working toward one goal and living according to the word of God, believe me, there will be no other religion in this, in this city and you will change the face of America. So my prayer for your church and for my church in Lebanon and for the church in Europe that we will be all united working for the glory of Christ. And this is step number two in a revival is unity. Step number three is the word of God. And they spoke to Ezra, and to Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord has commanded to Israel. They did not ask for any other book but the book of the law of Moses. They did not ask for a new program. They didn't ask for a new method. They didn't ask for a new leader. You know the problem in our church today, when we see that we, are, we don't have a revival, always we, we sit down and put a new program or a new method or we change the song leaders because we think that if we do this, we will bring a revival. Real revival is the result of hearing the word of God and believing that this is the word of God and obeying it as the word of God. That's revival. Let me refer again to Wednesday night. Skip was preaching the word of God and people were convinced that this is the word of God and they wanted to repent and they came forward. Declaring that we want to repent, we believe this is the word of God. That's revival. That's revival. I pray you in Jesus' name, don't exchange the word of God for any entertainment program. So many churches today, they are not preaching the word of God. They are relying on the entertainment program which they have. When I was speaking in Amsterdam 2000, I told them, we are not in the entertainment business. We are in a serious business of saving souls for Christ, saving souls from hellfire. That's our serious business. God has entrusted us for the greatest gift of heaven, the blood of his son, the message of salvation. And he said, go and preach the gospel to every one. You know my favourite verse in the Bible is found in Romans I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Can you imagine if every one of us will say the same I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ People in my country, when they go to church, or some of them, they put the Bible like this and nobody would see it. Because they are afraid. They are ashamed. But when they want, when they want to put a, a, cig- a packet of cigarette, they put it in a white shirt. And when they are going to the cabaret or dancing or doing anything, they go with boldness. My prayer... For us Christians that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So step number three for revival is the word of God. Oh my brothers and sisters I pray you in Jesus name live it memorize it and be proud of it for it is the power of God into salvation and step number four, it is reverence for God. When Ezra opened the book of the law, the whole people stood up. And when he praised the Lord, everyone lifted his hand up. And then they respond by saying, Amen, Amen. And then they put their faces to the ground And worship the Lord. Just imagine with me. You are in Jerusalem. In front of that beautiful temple. And maybe a million people there. Or 500,000 there. And when Ezra opened the book of the law, everybody stood up. He didn't ask them to stand. But there was reverence in their hearts for the word of God. Do you know when our Lord read the word of God? He was standing. You know when he preached, he sat down. But when he was reading it, he read it standing. Our problem today, that we don't have that reverence for the word of God anymore. We don't. In my country, there is some new translation for the Bible. They have changed verses in the Bible and they have changed words to suit the Muslims. One time I was preaching in Sidon again, and Sidon is a 99% Muslim city, and we had about 25 Muslims in the congregation, and I said to them, listen, I wish if I can say to you and be your friend and say that your religion will take you to heaven. But I can't, even if I put my life in danger. There is only one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and life. And no one could come to the Father but through me. I pray you in Jesus' name. Let's have reverence for the Word of God. Let's have respect for the Word of God. I like the Jewish tradition. You know, the Jews, when they used to write the Old Testament, once they get to the word Jehovah, they threw the pen which they were writing in it, and they they take another pen, a new one, and they write the word Jehovah. And then when they finish writing the word Jehovah, they burn the pen because they have reverence and respect for Jehovah their God. If it was left to us, gentiles especially the arab gentiles we would have spoiled the word of god i am so grateful that the word of god was entrusted to them you know this book is a jewish book it's written by the disciples very few or maybe two gentiles only wrote in it so i ask you in the name of the lord that when you come to worship come and worship him in a beauty of holiness Teach your children to worship God in the beauty of holiness. Don't take it lightly. We are coming to the presence of the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We are coming to the presence of the Maker and Creator of heaven and earth. I am going to take an appointment for you tomorrow to go and see the President of America. And if any one of you haven't shaved for five days, do you think he will go the same? Not shaved? I am sure you will put the best clothes you have and you will get showered and ladies will put the best dresses they have because they are going to see the President of America and it's due to him. He is the President. How much more we are coming to see the Lord of glory. Of course, the President of America is the strongest man in the world today. We acknowledge it. But we are coming to worship who is greater than the President of America. We are going to worship the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ, the Lord, who said, All power in heaven and on earth is given into me. So I pray you in Jesus' name, when we come to worship Him, let's come and worship in the beauty of holiness. Let us teach our children to worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Step number five to revival is they have listened with attentive ears. Can you imagine with me? Ezra read from morning, from daybreak, till midday. And they listen with the attentive ears. Our problem these days is that when we come to church, we come with all our problems and we even bring our work with us to church. Thinking about the computer and what we are going to do and this, we do not really separate this time to worship the Lord of glory. When I when I go to other churches to preach, you know the first question I ask, I ask, "How many minutes do you want him to speak?" I told Skip, "You are excusing this church because you have a problem for cars and traffic, so that's why we made it short." But how many times we preachers we have taken from our messages point which will be be a benefit for the people to hear it because of the time. Oh, they cannot sit. They cannot sit. One time I was preaching in Beirut, and I saw one sister looking to her watch all the time, and I felt that really the Spirit of God is on me. And the message was so good. But when I saw her looking three, four times to her watch, I was really, you know, I I was afraid that I am not communicating the Word of God properly. And when I stood at the door of the church shaking hands, she came and I said, sister, was my message so boring that you kept looking to your, to your watch? She said, oh no, please forgive me. It was a great message, but I left the roast beef in the oven and I was so afraid to burn. I said, I pray it'll be burned when you go there. And if you have roast beef in the oven today, I pray it will be burned when you go back. Okay? (laughs) Many times, brothers and sisters, we preachers, we really prepare the whole week. And we cry before the Lord and we want this message to enter into the heart of others. And how discouraging to see one person sleeping, I envy Skip because the church is so big, and he people can sleep there he doesn 't see them you know, but in our churches they are so small, and I can see everyone i can you are not sleeping here, praise the lord but i One time a friend of mine in Syria, Damascus, he was preaching and he prepared a message about the second coming of Christ. And he was so excited about this message and he really wants to everyone to hear that message. And right in front of him, after two minutes, a man fell fast asleep, you know. (laughs) So he stopped preaching. His name is John. And he said, John, the Lord has come. And the man stood up, you know. And I am sure he will never sleep in chairs after that time. I told my committee, I said, we have really to do something. We have to do something. Why people are like this? Can you imagine if we are in the presence of the Queen of England, and she is talking to us, and then one of us will go fast asleep? Can you imagine? But when we know that we are going to visit a man with a high position, we are so excited that we have lost in the church, we have lost that excitement. You know, we have to prepare ourselves before we come that we are going to see the Lord of glory. We are going to listen to the King of kings. We have lost that excitement. That's why we come and we go fast asleep or we are, we are so bored we want to get out. I pray you in Jesus' name, don't lose that excitement. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there and be missed. And when you came, we are more than three. We are more than two. When you came, you came with this promise to claim that Jesus, the Lord, is here among us by His Holy Spirit. That's why we're coming to worship. Can you imagine if we worship a God who is not there? He cannot hear us. One time I was in Juni. It's a city, it's the second largest city in Beirut in the Christian area. And I was given a Bible study. And you know, coming from a Catholic background, they challenged me. And they said to me, you evangelicals, you don't love the Virgin Mary. You don't pray for her. And there was a priest with them because they were really coming to spy on me what I am doing. And I said to them, okay, I want to ask you one question. There is an attribute for God that He is everywhere. Has the Bible told us that Mary has an attribute that she is everywhere? And they said, no. I said, she is up in heaven. She is the greatest woman ever lived. She is a holy woman, and we love her. But we pray for a person who can hear. Jesus is with us. He said, I am with you. I am with you always. I said, that's why I don't pray for the Virgin Mary. I pray for Christ, because He can hear me. He has an attribute that He is found everywhere. But the Virgin Mary, no, neither the saints. So he is here with us. Let's be excited. Let's be, let's be really on our feet, just watching and waiting for him to speak to our hearts. And uh, step number six, when they heard the word of God, they responded. They were responsive to the word of God. Ezra and Nehemiah read the book of the law. What's in the book of the law? I am sure he read the Ten Commandments to start. And when he read the book of the law, all the people start crying. Why? What's in the book of the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. Don't don't commit adultery. Don't steal, don't tell a lie. Honor your father and mother. And here all the people believed that this is the word of God. And every one of them was measuring his life to the word of God. And they discovered that they have broken the command of God. And that's why they start weeping and crying. How many times you have heard messages about holiness? Be ye holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. Without holiness, it's impossible to see God. As without face, it's impossible to please Him. Without holiness, it's impossible to see Him. How many times you have heard about faithfulness, about repentance, about giving, about going as a missionary, about loving each other and loving your enemy. How many times you heard about forgiving? If your memory is short as the people in Lebanon, my people, as soon as they get out of the door of the church, they forget. I pray in the name of Jesus that you won't forget. That you would really cry when you measure your life to the standard of the word of God, that you will really cry. The Lord wants you to forgive. The Lord wants you to be faithful unto death. The Lord wants you to be holy. You are a holy people, separated for God. The Lord wants you to repent. Repent. The Lord wants you to fight all the desires in in your heart. The fleshly desire. The evil desire. The Bible said, don't be hearers of the word deceiving yourselves, but doers. If you memorize this Bible from cover to cover, and you do not live it, it will condemn you. The Bible is not giving to us to memorize it only. The Bible is not giving it to us that we can preach it and people will hear it. The Bible is given to us to live it. That's why the church is weak. Because we want to live like the world. Once upon a time, the church was a leader. Once upon a time, the whole world used to be afraid of the church because they took a stand. But now we are led. We are changing the principles of the gospel of Christ to please the world. I said one time to my people, I said, why should we wait for an artist from France or England or Italy to show you how to dress. Why? Why don't you be the leader? Why don't you set the way? Why don't you set the tone for life? This is the way we are going to live. We are not going to imitate the world. You have to remember that we are in the world, but we are of—we are not of the world. God calls us for a separate life, even if we are among them. We are partners of the divine nature. When we really believe that this is the word of God, the only thing will help us is to obey it. You know, after the Israeli invasion, the Christian militia went to the Palestinian camps and they have committed a massacre there. Franklin Graham came to Lebanon at that time and I took him to the Palestinian camps and his heart was moved with compassion. And he said, Sammy, we have to do something to ease the suffering of these people. I said, what can we do? The Palestinians are the greatest enemies for Lebanon. They have started the war. They have killed our children, they have destroyed our homes, they have destroyed our economy. They are really the enemies of Lebanon. He said, we have to do something to help them. I said, I don't have anything to help them. I have the men, but I don't have the means. He said, Sammy, if you have the men, I have the means. He knew what he was saying. I it was hard for me to find people to help me to go and help them. Because they consider them like enemies. I asked three, four Lebanese doctors. Nobody would go to me, with me to the camps. But I find an Armenian believer, a doctor, by the name of Peter Manoukian. He's gone to be with the Lord. He came here to America, immigrated, and he died here in America. I took him with me i have a camper at home which i used like a clinic and we used to see 65 to 70 people every day i had six people working with me some bringing food and medicine and blankets and uh, you know we were working for seven months in the camps one night a man rang the bell at our house I was not there, but my son who is 13 years of age at that time, he opened the door. And the man took the gun and put it in his head. And he said, tell your dad. If he goes down to help the Palestinians, you are going to be dead. I was late that night. But when I came home, I find my wife and my son still sitting in the lounge waiting for me. And I said, what's the matter? You look very afraid. And Paul, my son, told me the story. And then they went to sleep, and I couldn't sleep all night. I was praying, crying before the Lord. What can I do? The life of my son is at stake. And the Lord said, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Give them water to drink. Give them bread to eat. The second day, I went down to the Palestinian camps, as usual. In the evening, I was supposed to be in a Bible study, but I canceled the Bible study and came home. And behold, the same man rang the bell again, and I went and opened myself. He took the gun, and he said, I told your son last night, if you go to the Palestinian camp, I'll shoot him. But now you are here, I'll shoot you. At this time, my wife came and stood between me and him. I pulled my wife back and I said, You coward, shoot. I thought if he shoots me, at least I save my son's life. But you know, brothers and sisters, our God is great. And because I obeyed him, he took care of me. That man did not shoot, he turned his back and went. This is the glory. We have to obey Him. When you hear a command in the Word of God, it won't help you if you don't obey it. I used to argue with my Lord. Love your enemy. It's not easy, Lord. Give them water to drink. You know, one time I said to him, I said, Lord, why did you say water? Why did you specify it? Say, give them to drink. I could have gave them poison to drink. (laughs) Give them bread to eat. I could have given them a stone to eat. But he specified it. Give them bread and give them water. Love your enemies. Oh, my brothers and sisters. May the Holy Spirit convict every one of us of disobedience. You know, we are called the children of God. Do you believe that? You do. He said, you look what manner of love He bestowed of us, that we are called the children of God. What is the responsibility, the first responsibility of a child toward his father? The first responsibility is obedience. In Isaiah, the Lord, with a broken heart, he said, I have brought up children, I have nourished them, I fed them, but they rebelled against me. He said, The donkey knows his master, and an oxen knows his master's place, but my people don't know. And I feel that the heart of God was broken. How much I need to be in pain to say that a donkey is better than my own son. I must be broken hearted. And I truly feel that God the Father was broken hearted. He brought children up, nourished them. And they rebel against Him. And we doing exactly the same with Christ our Lord today. We are living a rebellious life. Disobedient life. I pray you in Jesus name brothers and sisters Jesus is coming soon and maybe we are going to see the end he is going to write the last letter in history the last word not America, not Russia, not China not Israel, not the Arab Jesus Christ is going to write the last word in history and he is coming again so (laughs) live for him The, the seven steps of revival, the seventh step which lead us to revival is the joy. The joy. When the Levite and when Nehemiah explained to the people the word of God, there was a great joy. You know, now they're dancing. Now there is joy. Now we can worship. Now we can sing to the Lord. Now we can beat the drums. Why? Dancing and laughing, it's a result of repentance. It's a result. It's a result of a revival. Revival doesn't start with music. Revival starts with tears. They were crying first because they have broken the law of the Lord. And then when they repented, there was a great joy. Oh, I pray you in Jesus' name that you will all know the real revival. And the Levite said, don't cry. It's not time to cry. It is not time to cry. Of course, you have broken the command of the Lord. But our Lord is a loving Lord, is a forgiving Lord. If they can say this in the Old Testament, how much more we can say it in the New Testament? Maybe your heart is crying now. You are not living a holy life. You are not living a life of obedience to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is pointing things in your life that you need to repent. Don't cry. Don't be disturbed. Jesus is a loving Savior. It is written, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do you want revival? It's here today for you. If you truly repent from all your heart, and you will feel the joy of the Lord, and there will be a great revival. May the Lord bless you. A glory to his name. I'll ask Brother Skip to come and close in prayer.